Become a Leslie's Pro member, and with almost a 1,000 locations conveniently located less than 3 miles from your service route, you can quickly get in and out and take care of your customers. Get Skimmer, America's number one pool service software platform. Listeners of the podcast can try Skimmer for free. Visit my website, swimmingpoollearning.com, and click on the Leslie's Pro and the Skimmer banners to learn more. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Hi, welcome to the Pool Guy Podcast Show. In this episode, I'm going to go over some rookie mistakes you can make when you start to build your pool route. These are common mistakes, and I think if you avoid these, you're going to go a long way in being more successful at a quicker rate. And these are mistakes that, of course, everyone makes. So, of course, learning from someone else's mistakes is better than learning from your own mistakes. Pool Service Pro, open a Leslie's Wholesale account today and receive wholesale pricing on products you use every day. Leslie's Pool Supply offers convenient locations that are open seven days a week. Another great benefit of opening a Leslie's Wholesale account is Leslie's referral program. Get referred to a customer looking for weekly pool service. Save time and money and grow your pool service route and become a Leslie's Pro. So I'll start at the beginning when you go to bid an account. And this is something that happens a lot. And I'll give you two examples from my group of this kind of rookie mistake when you're bidding. One of the things that I think a lot of new people will try to do is to show off a little bit to let the customers know that they kind of know what they're doing when maybe they don't really know what they're doing. And so one of the things I tell everyone doing a bid is don't touch anything at the pool. When you do the bid, walk around the pool, talk to the owner, look at the equipment. I don't even turn on the systems usually because you know, something could go wrong. And here's a couple of good examples of what happens when you turn on something. So one of my members was doing a bid. And of course, the pump wasn't on at the moment. So he went over there to turn the pump on. And it started sparking and it burned out. And of course, since he was the one who flipped the switch, the homeowner was like, hey, you broke my pump, you know, so now you have to pay for it. Well, I'm sure that motor was pretty much on his last leg. And he just was unlucky enough to turn on the timer And that happened. I had one of these happen to me. It was kind of funny. It's one of my established accounts. And I was back there. And just so happened that the owner came out of the house. And we were talking by the pool. And so I turned on his pump. Because I'm getting ready to clean the pool. And I like to have it running. And when I turned it on. All of a sudden it started smoking. And actually believe it or not. Flame shot out of the back of the motor. It was an old uh, Duraglass pump. Those motors have a tendency to flame up. They're the old stay right motor. So this was not anything uncommon back then happening with this particular motor. And it was actually great that that the homeowner was right there because then he saw it happen and he's like, oh, I guess I need a new motor. So that really saved me from explaining everything. And that was a good situation. It was a bad situation if you're at a, a new account, you're bidding and you turn something on and it breaks. Another member who was messing with the automated system and he couldn't figure out what he did and the spa started draining down. And so he called me. He's like, hey, the spa's draining down. I, I, don't, I shouldn't have been pushing buttons. So I told him, let's go back there and turn the breaker off for 30 seconds. That'll reset the whole system. And sure enough, it did. And everything went back to normal. And here's one last one for you. So this was a bid on an above ground pool, which I don't really care for. But of course, some areas have a lot of these. So you may want to take these. And he was bidding it. He noticed that the pump basket had some debris in it. And so he's like, oh, yeah, the pump basket has some debris. This is probably one reason why it's not looking so good. So he turned everything off and he took the lid off, but he forgot to close the valve, 
water started pouring out everywhere. Then he went to go close the valve and it wasn't working. And so, you know, this is a kind of mini disaster because now you have the pump lid off and the valve's not working to turn the water off. And probably one reason why that wasn't cleaned out is because the valve wasn't working. He eventually got the lid on. He was able to plug the line up with a with a towel and put the lid back on. But that was a big ordeal. And needless to say, the customer didn't think he had enough experience to take on his pool. So this is something that you don't want to do. Just don't touch anything because you never know when you'll be the one who turns on the pump and it doesn't work or push a wrong button that you're not familiar with an automated system and kind of mess everything up. So the number one rule is just kind of keep your hands in your pockets and don't touch anything at the account. Now, another problem you're going to have, and this is part of the bidding process, and it's a definite rookie mistake, and I've made this one before. You kind of have a, a sixth sense of the customer. You get a feeling about the customer. Don't ignore that feeling if you get a bad vibe from the customer, because chances are your impression is correct. There's a great book called Blink. It's by Gladwell, and he's written a lot of good books, including Outliers. And this one, it talks about your first impression and why a lot of things happen with what when you ignore, why a lot of bad things happen when you ignore your first impression of something. So if you're getting this kind of sense of the customer being weird, if your spider senses are tingling, chances are the customer is going to give you problems later because this is something that's kind of innate when you meet someone and. This is something you learn by experience, of course, too. When you talk to different people, when they have situations, you definitely want to avoid those customers. You may not recognize them all when you're a rookie, but, you know, some things are really obvious. I had one customer tell me, and this is a true story, and I've used this many times. He's like, yeah, the other pool company put a lien on me because I didn't pay my bill. Is that legal? No, I probably it's not legal that they did that, but thanks for the information, and I'll see you later. That's the kind of thing that you run into out there. If it's that obvious, then yeah, you, you don't want to take on that customer. So those are some of the things that the bidding that you could really get in trouble with. And I have some other podcasts where I talk about pools you don't want to take, and I go over some other things to look for in those pools also. You can refer to that podcast. I think one of the things that happens when you're starting out and you're a rookie is that you're too nice to clients. Now, I don't mean that you have to be rude and be impolite. What I mean by being too nice is that you overlook a lot of things and maybe you give them a lot of freebies because you really want that account, you want to keep it. And so certain things that you would normally charge for, you let the customer have. And I think this develops a really bad precedent with that client because then when you actually have to bill them for something, they're like, hey, I mean, this is really expensive. And, you know, the other thing, the other things that you you gave me and, and all the things that you gave me for free, and now you're billing me for this and this leads to some problems, and I really think that you just have to establish a good business relationship where you charge them for everything. And I mean, you're charging them for every little thing that goes on their pool without exception. And sometimes this feels a little embarrassing. You know, if you're going to charge them for, let's say that you have a part for the rainbow coordinator and it was, you know, $4 or $5 for a little nut. Normally, you'd be like, eh, I'm not going to charge you for that. But that could start a slippery slope. So charge for everything and mark up everything to a fair price. Now, a lot of times, one of the things that happens when you're new is that the customer is going to come outside the door one day and say, hey, I found this on Amazon and you charged me $18 for that pump basket. And here it is on Amazon for 9 dollars 
I, I would like you to give me the difference in the price because, you know, I found it cheaper online. This happens quite a lot out there, and the pump basket is just a small example. But for bigger items, they may even say the same thing. So I just simply explain to the customer that I actually only can get manufactured parts, original manufactured parts from my supplier. They don't carry generic parts or knockoff parts. Most of these companies make these parts, then the manufacturer will sue them and put them out of business and they'll start another company and sell these generic parts. I know that Zodiac has a huge problem with people selling generic parts for their cleaners and I know they sue them, put them out of business, and then the company start up again and sell, and sell these generic parts. But our suppliers can't buy generic parts for this reason because they have a contractual obligation to the manufacturer to sell only original parts. And that's why the Whisper Flow pump basket costs more than what you would find on Amazon. So I kind of give the customer the short version of this and let them know that the online prices are different. They're generic parts. I use original parts. I'll gladly take the pump basket out. You can order that one on Amazon, and I, I would just keep that basket, and I would refund them the money the first time, and then make a note of that customer that this is a customer that's going to give you a hassle with pricing. And so if you do anything with that customer, have him buy his own parts to eliminate that problem. Of course, if you get into bigger uh, equipment things like pumps and motors, you want to make it clear to him that the online items don't have the same warranty. They may not even be the same as a manufactured pump. So definitely you want to clarify that with that customer. But that happens all the time also where you have a customer come out and want to compare prices on online. And it's just not something that we can kind of match and do because most of the pricing that's really inexpensive is generic parts. I know I got off track there for a little bit, but I wanted to throw that in. But charge your customers for every part you put in the pool. And this is a precedent you want to set. I mean, you go to the mechanic and you get something done. They rarely, if ever, throw in something for free. Even if it's like a little screw, they'll charge you for it on the invoice. And that's the same thing you're going to have to do. When I have contractors do work, they charge me for every little thing. And it's something that I'm used to. So the customers will get used to it. It's just something that has to be done in business. And it's something that you want to establish early. So you're not like the super nice guy giving everything to the customer for free. Another common problem is underbidding. And this, of course, comes with inexperience. And if you don't know what someone is bidding for something or what the going rate is, chances are you're going to underbid. That's the great thing about my coaching group. When you're in the coaching group, you can post in the group me app that I have here. And then you can ask people in your area what they charge for this and that. And that way you, you're not undercutting and you're not underbidding the area. So, you know, you can even call other pool companies and ask them how much they charge for an acid wash or how much they charge for installing this or that, how much they charge for filter cleaning. If you run into someone at your supplier, you can kind of ask them and they'll give you the rundown of their rates because everyone wants to help each other out. I think everyone wants to set higher rates and the person charging the lowest is always going to cause problems for everyone else. So I think most pool pros will be helpful in giving you a decent idea of what they charge for their services be an acid wash, a draining a spa down, refilling it, you know, putting in a backwash valve, whatever it may be, you definitely want to check around for what the going rate is. I think one of the easiest things you can do is also call Leslie's Pool Supply and ask them how much it would cost to have someone come out, put a filter in. That way you can have an idea that if the customer were to call Leslie's and Leslie's Pool Supply does not 
do any weekly pool service, but they do do equipment install. And so if you want to match something at that level, I think definitely you want to match the price that Leslie's quotes you on the phone. And if you know the manager, you can go in there and you can pick his brain, ask him how much they charge for this and that. That way you have an idea of how much to charge the customer. Now, if you don't land every bid because the customer thinks it's too high, that may be a good thing because if you undercut yourself and do it for a lower price, you may not be making as much money or any money on that particular job. So definitely try to get your service rates within line of the area. And if you're not sure, call around other pool service companies, talk to the guys that go to the wholesaler, talk to your local Leslie's manager, get to know them, and they'll be able to give you a price list so that you can match them pretty easily in your area. And I'll finish with this last one, which I think is really important. That is, don't do anything that you're not 100% sure that you have the ability to do. Now, this sounds like a catch-22. You know, how would you know you're not able to do something if you don't try to do something? And my answer to you is, I wouldn't attempt to try to do something unless you've done it before. Now, then you're going to say, well, how can you do something you've never done before? You're new to the business. You've never put a motor in or a pump in. How are you going to do this if you've never done this before? And I would say, before you do any repairs, you definitely want to connect with someone in your area that could go out with you or you can refer the repairs to them. And then you can stand over their shoulder and kind of watch what they do. I don't think many of the repair-only pool pros would mind that. There's several in my area, and if you wanted to show up there and kind of watch what they did and ask them questions, it's not a big deal to them. All the major manufacturers, Pentair, Jandy, and Hayward, have courses that you can go to where if you go on their website, you can find these courses where they go over the heaters, the pumps, all the troubleshooting of the automatic systems so that you're familiar with something before you get there. That's kind of how you learn before you do something. And if you're going to do an acid wash, you definitely want to be a helper at, with another pool company on at least two of these before you go out on your own and try to do one. And you definitely want to recruit a helper for yourself. But I think logically to go out there and start to do things without the knowledge of doing things can get into a lot of trouble. That's one reason why when you get the spa insurance, SPPA insurance, they will, for the first year, not allow you to do any repairs on the pool because they know from experience that most of the claims they get, I think it's around 90% of the claims they get, are from people that are doing stuff that they're not familiar with and they're in their first year of business. So they have a clause there um, preventing you from doing any repairs the first year you have the insurance. So there's a reason for that and it's logical And if you're saying, well, there's no one here that I can watch or train, you'd be surprised. I mean, you can call a local warranty. You can go to the website of Pentair, Jandy, or Hayward and find who does the warranty work. There's a list of local companies. And then you start referring work to them. Just refer out a pump install, a motor install, heater repair, and then show up at the time they're going to do it. I would say something like, well, the client wants me to be there when you're doing the repair They're a little bit touchy as far as having strangers back there. So I definitely, you know, let me know when you're going to be there and I can meet you there. I can let you in. I can introduce you to the customer if they're home. And if you don't mind, I'd like to stick around to see how you kind of install that. And most of the guys will be like, sure, no problem. And they're friendly enough to where 
they'll give you some pointers. And if you can learn from watching, a lot of times you can learn a lot from just watching what they're doing. And of course, you probably don't want to get a notepad out and say, start taking notes that would look kind of weird, but you can learn a lot from observing them. So that's kind of how you do it. That's how you learn how to do things. And believe me, a lot of these repair techs would love to have the company and someone to talk to. They're really bored out there just doing repairs all day with no one to talk to. And so talking to you and giving you insight information is something that most of them won't mind. You may run into a couple that are like, oh, I want to show you anything on it, but that's not very common. At least in my area, they're all super nice. Get to know them, refer them work. I don't charge when I refer people if I'm watching them do something because I want to learn how they do it. That's how I learned how I how to put in my first light fixture. You definitely want to have help with that. But I hired someone to help me with the light fixture and I gave him the referral and I gave him the whole amount. I didn't take any cut of it, but I was there observing them, asking questions, learning, you know, kind of how to do it properly, how to find out which one's the spa light, which one's the pool light. Little things like that are important and you're going to learn more, definitely more by watching someone do it out in the field than watching a video or any other way. I think this is the best way to learn out there. So as a rookie, you know, take this advice to heart and I think this is going to really improve your pool service and you'll avoid some of the mistakes that all of us have made out there. If you're looking for other podcasts I recorded, you can find those on my website, swimmingpoollearning.com. Just go to the banner, click on the podcast icon. With over 1,000 podcasts, there's definitely something there for you to listen to. If you're interested in the coaching program that I mentioned, you can learn more at poolguycoaching.com. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Have a great rest of your week, and God bless. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. The Pool Guy Podcast Show. Real quick, if you're not using pool service software, try Skimmer free for 30 days at getskimmer backslash pool guy. Again, that's getskimmer backslash pool guy. Skimmer, everything you need to run your pool service business all in one app.